Good morning. I am Tommy Green. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Centerpoint. This morning, we're going to continue on in our Exodus series. Matter of fact, inside your bulletin, you're going to find an, uh, an insert with an outline on it entitled The Burning Bush. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks as you follow along, if you'll just raise your hands, our ushers would love to come by and uh, get you a pen. Before we get started in our Exodus series, I want to recap a little bit about what Exodus is about. Exodus is a rescue story. Uh, the main character in Exodus is Moses, and when Moses was a young little boy, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had ordered that all the little boys be thrown into the Nile River and killed. Moses' mother knew that he was a special little boy, so she took him and she placed him in a basket and put the basket in the river and floated on down the river. And Pharaoh's daughter found him. She took him in, she adopted him, she raised, her, raised him as her very own child, right inside Pharaoh's own house. And for 40 years, Moses is trained how to be powerful in speech, how to be powerful in action, how to be a powerful leader. Until one day, he goes and he visits his relatives, the Israelites. When he goes out there, he sees that the Egyptians are mistreating the Israelites. And he sees a, uh, an Egyptian... Uh, uh, beating one of the Israelites, and he goes and he kills him. And he's for sure he knows that all of Israel will realize that God has sent him to rescue them. But that wasn't the case. The next morning he goes out and he sees two Israelites fighting. He says, why are you fighting among yourselves? And they turn to him and say, were well, you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian yesterday? And at that, Moses got fearful and he fled. And he fled to the desert and finally ends up in the land of Midian where he Meets a woman, gets married, has children. And for 40 years, he lives there as a shepherd. Until one day, he has an encounter with God that once again changes the direction of his life. And that's where we're going to pick up our story this morning. Before we do, I want to have, have a word of prayer. Father, we want to come before you this morning and thank you, Lord God, for Moses. We want to thank you for the book of Exodus. And this morning, Lord God, as we uh, study it, Lord, I pray that you would uh, teach us things from it. I pray that, Lord God, that you would uh, we'd be able to compare our lives to Moses and how we can see th things in our lives that need to be changed. And, Father, Lord God, I pray that you would speak through your word, Lord God, that you would move me out of the way, and, Lord God, that you would change us. And I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Point one on your outline, God spoke to Moses from a burning bush and gave him an assignment. So one day... Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. I'm sorry, that was my best impression of the movie. So um, anyway, here I am, Moses replied. Look, the cry of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. After 40 years of living in the desert, God comes to Moses and he has an encounter with him. And I'm sure that at this time, Moses has already forgot about trying to rescue the people of Israel. And God comes to him and says, I have an assignment for you, Moses. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to rescue my people from slavery and I want you to bring them out of Egypt. 
a quick life application for you and me this morning is that God has an assignment for us too. Each of us are born with a God-given destiny, with a purpose. God has plans for you and for me. Is that good news to you? God has plans for you. God has plans for me. He has things that he wants us to do. Matter of fact, this is exactly what Ephesians 2, 10 says. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God already has things for us to do. Here's, not, here's a, another life application for us, too, is God wants us to know his plans for us. Not only does God have plans for you and me, he also wants you to know what those plans are. I know what you're saying right now. I, I hear you, Tommy. The next time I'm walking in the woods and I see a tree that's burning and something starts speaking to me from that tree and it's God, I will know exactly what God wants me to do. Don't hold your breath. Probably not going to happen. The burning bush experience was a one-time experience. It never happens again in the Bible. It just happened to Moses. Now, I believe that God still speaks in miraculous ways today, but I want to give you three ways that God speaks to us on a regular basis. Number one, he speaks to us through his word, through the Bible. This is what 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God will speak to you through his written word. Another way God speaks to us on a regular basis is through each other. God speaks to us through each other. This is what Colossians 3.16 says. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. There are times in my life that God is going to give me wisdom for you. And there are times in my life that God's going to give you wisdom and counsel, and you'll be able to teach me. God has created in such a way that he uses each, uh, each of us to help one another hear him. Third way that we hear God on a regular basis is through his Holy Spirit and through prayer. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God has deposited his Holy Spirit within us. And there are times in our lives that you hear that still small voice in your head. And it says, you're supposed to go on that mission trip. You're supposed to volunteer in that part of the church. You're supposed to go and you're supposed to forgive your dad. There are times in our life that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. I'll give you an example of how God has used these three tools in my life to speak very plainly to me. About 10 years ago, I went into my office early one morning, and I was reading my Bible and having a Bible study, and I was reading the book of Genesis, and I was reading the part where God had called Abraham, and he told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to get out of the country that you're living in right now, out from your father's house, and I want you to go to another land, a land that I'll show you. And as I was reading that, the Holy Spirit spoke strongly to my heart. I began to have this feeling that God wanted me to change the course of direction in my job, that he wanted me to get another job. And so I did what every young, responsible, newly married man does. I picked up the phone. I called my wife. 
And I said, honey, I think God wants me to change jobs. And after about 30 or 45 seconds of silence on the phone, she said, well, can you please wait till we get home and we can talk about it? I said, sure. We got home that night and we begin to pray and we begin to read the Bible and we begin to feel like this was something that God was telling us to do. And we shared it with some really close Christian friends and with some of our family. And they begin to confirm in our lives that this is probably what God's telling you to do. A few days later, the Lord just out of the blue puts this company on my mind. I never thought about it, never would have thought about it. And I told my wife about it. I said, I think I'm supposed to go check on this certain company. And the next morning, I was driving to work, and I was driving my little green S10 pickup truck. And as I pull it up to where I would normally park my car, there's a truck in my parking spot. And it's a truck with a logo of the company that I feel like the Lord has prompted me to check into. Coincidence, I guess. That night, my brother calls me. He says, Tommy, I've been praying for you. Have you ever thought about checking out this company? Guess what company it was? Same company. The next day, I go to work. And that truck is still in my parking spot. But not only is it in my parking lot... It's, there is now there is two trucks identical right where I would normally park my car. We had a guy in our, that worked with it would buy and sell used cars, and he had bought two of these vehicles. So now I've got two vehicles with that company that I think I'm supposed to check out sitting in my parking lot. Three days later, I'm in one of our buildings at our church, and uh, I'm in there by myself, and someone comes walking through the door, and I happen to notice that they had a shirt on with that company. I felt the Lord tell me, go over there and ask them about what, how you could get a job with them. My heart's going about 100 miles an hour at this time. So I walk up and I say, listen, I know this is a strange question, but if I was interested in getting a job with you, how would I go about doing it? And they stop and they look me square in the face. And they say, you would talk to me because I'm the manager and I need someone to work this area. Now, God did not speak to me through a burning bush. But at that moment, it was just as clear as, as, if, as if he had. God had used the scriptures. God had used other people in my life. God had used the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And he'd used circumstances all around me to make it crystal clear what I was to do. I eventually went and applied for the job and got that job. And it was the perfect job for Shelly and I at that time. Because it allowed us to travel in a band. It allowed us to help plan another ministry. It was exactly what we needed for that moment. Here's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. If we will seek God's will for the directions of our lives... He will show us what we're to do. He will give us our assignments. He will show us our purpose. He will show us what he has us to do. And I've had people come to me uh, many times and say, well, Tommy, I'm just not hearing God. I just don't know what God wants me to do. I just, I just don't feel like I hear God from God anymore. And I tell them there are times in my life that I feel the same way. There are times I feel like I've got this block between me and God and I'm not hearing him. And when that happens, I, I tell them, I said, I usually ask myself, Three questions. The first question I ask myself, am I reading God's word? Am I reading the Bible 
on a regular basis? And if the answer is no, I know what the problem is. The second thing I ask myself, have I surrounded myself with good Christian friends that can speak into my life and give me counsel? And do I meet with them on a regular basis? Not to sound like an ad here, but something like a connect group. Third question I ask myself is this. What is the last thing that I know that I know that I know that God has called me to do? And have I done it? Because why would God give me a new assignment if I haven't completed the one he's already given me? See, God wants to speak to us. And he'll use those three ways. I believe if Moses was standing here today, he would tell you, don't look for a burning bush experience in your life. You have something better. You have God's word. You have each other. You have God's very own Holy Spirit dwelling with you that will lead you and guide you and direct you. God had given Moses a direct command. He had told him exactly what he wanted him to do. Point two on your outline says this, that Moses was fearful, insecure, and made excuses why he couldn't obey. God had told Moses, I want you to go back to the land of Egypt. I want you to go rescue my people out of slavery. And Moses gets fearful. He gets a little insecure, and he starts making excuses. When I began to read these excuses this week, some of these hit me like a two-by-four. Because some of these are the exact same excuses I've used to God for why I can't do the things he's called me to do. The first excuse that Moses gives is that I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. This is too big for me. I can't handle this. I don't have the right credentials. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I to do what you tell me to do, God? I, I don't know if I, I'm quite qualified. The second excuse that Moses gives is, I won't know what to say. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? been times in my life that I feel like the Lord wanted me to share the gospel with somebody. And the fear that comes up in my life most of the time is, I'm not sure I'll know what to say. I'm not sure I'll have the right words to tell them. Third excuse that Moses uses is the people won't listen to me. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? The excuse Moses is making here is, I'm scared what they'll say. I'm scared what they'll think. The fourth excuse that he makes is, I'm not good enough. None of us have ever used that excuse. <laughs> I'm not good enough. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. And my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, or hear or do not hear, or see or do not see? 
Is it not I, the Lord? God was saying, uh, there's this, does the, do, are you going to tell me what you can and can't do? Because I created you, and I know exactly what you're capable of, and I'm not going to ask you to do something that I haven't equipped you to do. The last excuse that Moses makes is let someone else do it. Let someone else do it. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. Lord, just send someone else to do it. Now, we live in a society that hates excuses. Chris Britton, our youth pastor, is my accountability partner, and we, uh, we, uh, have, we meet on a regular basis, and uh, we go over this little accountability card, and the first few times that we had to go over this accountability card, there was a question on it that made me cringe, and it's question number eight. It says, have you taken care of your body through daily physical exercise, proper eating, and sleeping habits? The first few times he asked me that question, I had to say, Chris, I'm not. No, I had to be honest with him. I'm not. So Chris made a deal with me. He said, I'll tell you what. I want you to start working out with me at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I said, that's a great idea. I've, I've always wanted someone to work out with. Chris, I'll meet you there at 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, the next morning rode around, and Chris was there, but I wasn't. And I saw him at work that day, and I said, Chris, I am so sorry that I didn't meet you there. I had a really, really late night last night, and I'm sorry I didn't show up. Chris said, that's okay. I'll tell you what, let's try again tomorrow. Next day, turn around, and you guess you can guess what happened. I wasn't there. I see him at work that next day and said, Chris, I am so sorry. I thought I set my alarm, and my alarm didn't go off, and I'm sorry I didn't make it. He said, well, let's try one more time. So the next day shows up, and guess what? I don't make it. And I get to the office, and I see Chris Britton, and he's right there in the hallway. And Chris doesn't say a word, but he has this look on his face, and it's like, what's your excuse this time? It's like, oh, I hate it when I make excuses. I hate it when I make excuses. I hate when other people make excuses. We were at a church one time that we had a volunteer that worked in our nursery that was notorious for not showing up on her Sunday to work the nursery. And I remember one Sunday, she, she didn't show up. And right before she was supposed to work the nursery, she calls and she says, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it because I have an infestation of ants in my kitchen. So she didn't show up. Month rolls around, and it's her Sunday to work again. And right before church is about to go, she calls our nursery coordinator. And once again, she says, listen, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it. We just saw the biggest spider you could ever imagine, and we have got to kill this thing. Her children's coordinator came to me, and she asked me, she said, listen, is it okay the next time that I send out my, my um, postcards to remind people that it's their Sunday to work, can I go ahead and send her a can of bug spray? <laughs> I said, you can do whatever you want to. Here's the point. We hate excuses. We hate it when our kids give excuses. We hate it when our coworkers give excuses. We hate it when we make excuses ourselves. And a note on your outline is this. God hates excuses too. He does. Moses had given an excuse after excuse after excuse till he finally gets to the point that he says, God, just send somebody else. And this is what Moses said. Then the, then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, 
He's on, he's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. God had given Moses a direct command. Moses knew exactly what God was calling him to do. And Moses was like, I don't know if I'm willing to do it. Can I tell you to know what you're supposed to do and to not do it is wrong? If I tell my children, go clean your room, and they turn to me and say, I don't want to. That's not a good thing. But that's sometimes what we do to God. We turn right around to him and we say, God, eh, I don't want to do that. James 4.17 puts it this way. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. We don't do what God calls us to do. He calls it sin. The question we have to ask ourselves this morning, I think the Lord is asking us, is is there anything in our lives that we know, that we know, that we know that God has called us to do and that we've said no to? That we've made excuses why we can't do it and we're not doing it. There's some of you in here that know exactly what I'm talking about because you know that God's called you to do some things. And you've been reluctant to do it and you've made excuse after excuse after excuse. And God is not looking for our excuses. He's looking for our yes. All he wants is us to be willing to do what he's called us to do. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, just do what I'm asking you to do. Just do it. Now Moses, like I said, knew exactly what he was supposed to do. And he starts making excuses. But then God comes back to him and God says, Listen, Moses, if I've called you to do it, don't you think that I've equipped you and I've given you everything you need to do what I've called you to do? That's point three on your outline is that God equipped Moses with everything he needed for success. Point A is God assured Moses that he would be with him. God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. A life application for us is God will be with us too. Okay? God doesn't just give us assignments and say, go fend for yourself, go do it. Tell me when you're done. It's not the way God is. Hey, listen, that's not the way I am with my children. If I had given an assignment to one of my children that I know is maybe a little too difficult for them, I'll usually help them with it. If I know my children have some homework that they're not quite understanding, I'm not going to leave them. And say, well, figure it out yourself. I'm going to help them. And we have a Father God that's just like that. When he calls us to do something, he says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to be with you. Matter of fact, when Jesus gave his, his greatest assignment to his disciples, which is actually our greatest assignment, this is what he said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When God calls us to do something, there's one thing we can be sure of. That he'll never leave us and that he'll never forsake us. 
Point B on your outline says that God assured Moses that he would help him. Not only did God say that he would be with him, he said that he would help him do the work. He would help him with his assignment. The Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? Shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw it down his staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back when the Lord told him, reach out and grab it by itself. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. And Moses made all these excuses. I don't have the ability to speak well. I don't have the ability to lead well. I'm not qualified. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. And God finally looks at Moses and says, well, what do you have? Because I'm just a shepherd, God. All I have is this staff. And God says, that'll do. I'll use that. Throw that staff on the ground and I'll use it. And I'll perform great and mighty miracles with it. See, too many times in our lives we look and we keep looking at the things that we don't have. And God is asking us, What do you have that I can use? A life application on your outline states, God can and will use whatever we offer him to accomplish his will. What do you have to offer God? I know some of you say, well, I can't sing like Shelly, or I can't teach real well like John, or I don't play the guitar real well like Nick. I, I really don't have anything to offer. And God's saying, Stop looking at what you don't have. Stop looking at your inadequacies, at your qualifications, and just give me something to work with. What are you good at? Are you a good cook? Do you build well? Are you good with computers? Do you like working with children? Do you like encouraging people? What is it that you have in your hand that God's given you that you can use and use it? I want you to watch a video of a guy who preaches all over the world. And for years, all he could see were the things he didn't have, his inadequacies, until God began to deal with him and say, well, use the gift that you do have. And I think it'll be very apparent to you what some of his limitations were. Did you watch the screens? Born in Australia without arms or legs, 30-year-old Nick Vujicic has become a symbol of triumph against all odds. His inspiring YouTube videos have been watched over 100 million times. legs, but I'm very thankful that I have my little chicken drumstick here. <laughs> People freak out when they see me for the first time. It's so cool. I was at a water slide uh, all by myself. Everyone obviously at the bottom of the slide is looking up and waiting for other people to come down. And here I come and they're freaking out. They're like, you know, like this. And I was so tempted to look at myself and go, what happened? You know. 
were times where I sort of looked at my life and thinking, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And you keep on concentrating on the things that you wish you had or the things that you wish you didn't have. And you sort of forget what you do have. And there's no point, I believe, in my life where I wish I had arms, legs, I wish I had arms, legs, I wish I had arms, legs, because wishing won't help. But what I've seen in life are just a couple key principles. And the first thing that I've seen is to be thankful. It's hard to be thankful, man. I tell you, when I was eight years old, I, I sort of summed up my life and thought, I'm never going to get married. I'm, you know, I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to have a life of purpose. Today, Nick surfs, he snorkels, he golfs, and plays soccer. He's traveled to 44 countries with his message of hope. Even the worst part of your life can come together for the good. And less than a year ago, Nick married the love of his life and danced at their wedding. You know, you see people like that, and it makes all of my excuses look really, really weak. <laughs> this guy literally travels and speaks and shares the gospel wherever he goes. And I would say he's probably more limited than me, more limited than you. And yet he got to the point in his life where he stopped looking at what he didn't have. And he began to be thankful for what he did have. And he began to use it. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says this. Now may the God of peace equip you with all you need for doing his will. God will equip us. Philippians 2, 13. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Last note on your outline states this. God delights in using ordinary people like us, to accomplish his purposes. You might be here this morning and you're going, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. Don't feel like I'm qualified enough. Don't feel like I speak well enough. Don't feel like I have the right giftings or the right talents. Can I tell you, you're probably a perfect candidate for God to use. A perfect candidate for God to use. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27 says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things of the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those things that are powerful. Here's the most interesting part of the story of Moses. God preferred to use an 80-year-old shepherd that only had a stick instead of a 40-year-old hot-headed prince to accomplish his purposes. See, God just wants to use us just the way we are. No special skills, no special talents, just a willing heart. Some of you might be in here this morning, you might feel a lot like Moses was like, you know what, there was a time in my life that I felt like I knew what God wanted me to do. Felt like God wanted me to go do this, and I tried, and it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out. And all of a sudden, you've actually given up on your dream, and now you're living just like a shepherd, just going about your life, and you're forgetting about the dreams that God has given you. And I want to share something with you this morning. It's not too late for God to use you. 
Sometimes God is just waiting for you to get to the right place of humility and a place of brokenness and a place where he can mold and make you so you can be used for his purposes. God wants to use us, but he's tired of hearing our excuses and he's ready to hear our yes. So this morning, what is it in our lives that we're making excuses for? What do we need to say yes to God? What is it in our life that we need to say yes to him? God will make his his plans and his purposes in our lives very plain. If we'll stay in the scriptures, if we'll stay in connection with other believers, if we'll rely on his Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. And he'll be with us. And he'll help us perform what he's called us to do. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we want to come before you this morning. And before we do, I just want you just to take a moment and ask God, God, is there anything in my life that I've been putting off that I know that you've told me to do, that I know that you want me to do, say What is it, God? God's actually going to bring into some of your minds that exact thing. And if he does, simply repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said no. And the next step is to begin doing what he's called you to do. God, I ask that you would speak to us through your word. I want to thank you, Lord God. I want to pray that you would speak to us through each other. I pray that, Lord God, that you would, Holy Spirit would guide and direct us and prompt us in things that you want us to do. Lord, we lay all our excuses down this morning. Lay all our inhibitions and all of our unworthiness, all of those things, Lord God. And we say, Lord God, if you've called us to do something, Lord God, then you're going to give us the ability and you're going to equip us to do it. And we're going to rely upon you. And Lord, I want to pray right now, Lord God, that you would give us the courage to take that first step. Lord God, that you would give us the courage to do what you've called us to do. That we wouldn't get fearful, that we wouldn't get insecure. But Lord God, that you would give us courage. I pray that, Lord God, that you would give us hearts that would always be obedient, that when you prompt us and you give us direction for our lives, Lord God, that we would follow it. Lord God, that we wouldn't lean on our own understanding. But, Lord God, in every situation of our life, that we would acknowledge you and we would trust that you will guide us. I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.